welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Levi Secord, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Christ Bible Church exists to bring all of Christ into all of life, and in doing so, we glorify God. This podcast series is not meant to be a replacement for the local church. It is not meant to replace your regular gathering with Christ's people across Christ's earth. And so we encourage you to use these sermons to bring glory to God, to bring all of Christ into all of life, and to strengthen and encourage one another in his name. With all of that in mind, let us turn our hearts and our minds now to the preaching of God's word, and in it may we see and glorify and emulate our Savior. So we are uh, continuing on here in this series, and again, as I said last week, we're starting to dive into different uh, demographics that are addressed in the book of Proverbs, and the question naturally becomes, what if I'm not one of these? Well, the reality of the matter is, is all of us are children or a parent at, at some stage of our lives, but this, obviously, the relationship between parent and children's change as children uh, grow into adults. So the question becomes, where you are in your stage in life right now, do you know parents and children? How would you offer them counsel in times of despair or discouragement? And you can listen uh, to this message in such a way as to offer not only that counsel, but also how to pray for parents and children as they go through the process of growing together. Because parenting is one of both the most rewarding things you'll ever do in your life and also one of the greatest challenges in life. Because there's both promise and peril in parenting. This is a part of God's good design, but like everything else that God had made and declared good, it has been cursed and ruined by the fall. I've been a parent now for about uh, 10 years, and there were several times, especially early on, where I was at an utter loss of what to do. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I've read uh, many books. I've listened to lots of recordings of wiser and older Christians than myself who've been through it, sought advice and counsel and encouragement. And I can tell you that parenting information, there's no shortage of it out there. There's no shortage of different schools of thought of how to be a good parent. And some of it is very good. Some of it really isn't good at all. But the longer I parent, the more I realize that the best resource for parenting is God's Word. At bottom, parenting is not really that complicated. And there is no secret sauce that if you do it just right, you will get the results that you want. It's not like training a dog. You are dealing with immortal souls who have their own mind and their own will. Just like you. And parenting will test your sanity sometimes. It will test your faith and your endurance. But the principles of wise parenting are straightforward. God doesn't really hide them in Scripture. He, he tells you what He expects of parents and of children. And so parents, especially fathers, are really re representatives in a divine drama. And so are children. Right? God the Son is a son. God the Father is a father. This is reflected in the parent-child relationship. Parenthood and child rearing is baked into the universe and it is one th way that we are like God. God made man in His own image. He made man like Himself. 
And so parenting and being a child is fraught with that promise and that peril. And one of the joys of having children is when they're born and you hold them in your arms, you see a ball of clay with almost unlimited potential. And parents have lots of dreams and aspirations for their children. And one of the greatest pains in life is the loss of a child and the loss of all that could have been. Another great pain is the severing of a relationship between a parent and their child. Or worse yet, when a child walks away not only from the family, but from God. There are a few greater burdens on Christian parents than to have a wayward child. And I haven't even touched on the, the child part of the equation yet. Bad parents exist. Bad parents within the church exist. Bad parents do untold damage to their children. Few things are more demoralizing and soul-sucking than living with an absent, selfish, or abusive parent. Much promise and much peril in this equation. And so every child and every parent should listen carefully to the words of Proverbs. This book offers not just parenting advice, like here's something that might help you, But this book offers truth from God on how to parent and how to be a child. And so today we're going to do two parts of a sermon here. We're going to have the first part where we're going to primarily address children. And then the second part where we're going to primarily address parents in the book of Proverbs. And as we've already seen, this book is a a letter by a father written to his son. And it is a guidebook for his son as to how to live a a wise life. And wisdom, as we've said, is the art of skillful, godly living. And as I was preparing this message this week and I was flipping through the the book of Proverbs, it really jumped off the page to me. Really the first uh, eight or nine so chapters, this theme comes up again and again and again and again. I'm just going to read to you a bunch of quotes here really quickly. Proverbs 1.8 Hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 2.1 My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Proverbs 3.1 My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. Proverbs 4.1 Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. And be attentive that you may gain insight. Proverbs 4.10 Hear, my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. Proverbs 5.1 My son, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding. Proverbs 6.1 My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor... Oops, this is the wrong verse. I copied the wrong verse, my bad. Proverbs 7.1 My son... Keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. And it goes on and on and on. But what you can hear here is a concerned father. Again and again, like he's pleading with his son again. Pay attention. Pay attention, son. I know this. I have three sons. Pay attention. No, don't, don't care about that squirrel over here. Pay attention. Like, listen carefully, son. Listen to my words. Please just listen to me and you will have life. This is part of the repetitive nature of instruction in the discipline of a father. In fact, I go so far as to say that parenting just might be the central theme of this entire book of Proverbs. 
And so parents in this room, uh, make Proverbs your parenting book. Study it with your children. Read through it. Teach it to them. Like You don't need to have a degree in Bible to teach the book of Proverbs. It's really, really straightforward. When your children are struggling with a specific sin, find that proverb that addresses it and memorize it together. The book of Proverbs is a gift to you. But to the children, it is a call from God for you to carefully weigh and consider the words of your parents. It's not just your parents who want you to listen to them. It is God who wants you to listen to your parents. And so Proverbs 6, 20-23 dives into this deeper with three instructions for children as they grow up. And the first is this, very simple. Children, obey your parents. Verse 20, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. It is not enough, children, to just hear your parents. It's not enough to just understand what they are saying. But the Bible wants you to obey them. To keep their commandments. The home is the very first place where we as humans have to learn to live under an authority figure. And if children in the home cannot learn to live under authority, they will not be able to live under authority out in the world. It is true that there are good parents and evil parents. There is true that there are good kings and evil kings, good presidents and evil presidents, good authorities and bad ones. This is true of all human authority. But children must learn to live under the authority of their parents. And if they do so, they will be blessed. If they cannot learn to live under that authority, they will never know how to live under the authority of their boss in the workplace or the state in the rest of their lives. I mean, every sociological study on this will tell you the same thing. The fatherlessness rate of children or of adults who are in prison is astronomical. They never learned how to live under their father's authority. Therefore, they are angry at the world and they rebel and they end up in chains. Children, if you want to live in wisdom, if you want to be blessed in this life and the next, then you need to have a fundamental disposition of listening to and obeying your parents. This isn't just found in Proverbs. It's both in the Old Testament and the New. The first commandment with a promise, we are told, is the call for the children to obey their parents. And of course, as a child grows from an adolescent to a teenager to an adult, the relationship changes. But the office of father and of mother is never really vacated. And even though you may not have to obey them anymore as an adult, you still have to honor and respect them. Second, children, persevere in the way your parents have trained you. Verses 21 and 22. Bind them, that is your parents' teaching, on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. You will, children, either in accepting or rejecting 
your parents' instruction, you will always be taking your parents' instruction with you wherever you go. You can't escape it. They're formational years for a reason. A child never truly departs their parents' instruction. Let me phrase it another way. Parents, you are the primary shapers of your children's future. For better or for worse. Yes, they may reject everything you teach them, but in them rejecting you, you are still shaping them. And thus God, through Solomon, commands children, as they grow up and develop, to take the teaching of their parents into all of their life. Bind it on their hearts. Tie it around their neck. When they walk, when they lay down, when they awake. Now, of course, Solomon here is assuming the presence of faithful and wise parents. Right? If your parent says, go rob the bank, don't listen. But even if you have wise parents, you may need to carefully consider something that they know, that they are flawed, and that your parents don't get everything right. They aren't perfect, and if you're honest, neither are you, kids. But sometimes our growth in holiness is coming to grips also with how our parents fell short and putting to death their own sin. And so as you grow, you will come to terms with this and then you will have to unlearn some of the things your parents may have taught you or failed to teach you. But this should never be done out of spite, but with a conscious gratefulness for the good they have done. As you read verses 21 and 22, and you know your Bible well, you should note that Solomon here is pointing back to something else in the Bible. He's pointing back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The great passage of the law known as the Shema. Let me read it to you here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so you should note the two-sided equation here. God says, parents, you should diligently teach these children when they're lying down, when they're walking, and when they're going by the way. And Solomon comes back in chapter 6 and he says, children, as your parents are doing this, you should bind them to you and think about them when you lie down and when you wake up and when you walk by the way. Children, the key to living a wise life is to bring your parents' wisdom into everything that you do, realizing that your parents are a gift from God. Flawed? Probably. But a tremendous blessing. And to take their words as wisdom given to you through the sovereignty of God. And to take them everywhere you go. Third, the promise... Children, such obedience is a way to life and blessing. Verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To cut to the chase, children, you don't know everything. I know your parents don't know everything too, but you especially don't know everything. And you need to recognize that as your parents probably had some of the same weaknesses and sin bents that you have, 
because God is kind that way. That they're probably disciplining you the way they are because they don't want you to go through the same mistakes they went through. They're trying to save you from pain and hurt. And so like every parent, I look at my kids and I can, I can see some of my strengths in them and then I see my weaknesses in them. And so I both sympathize with them and I can see the path the Lord is, is laying before their feet and the, the dangers that they will face that, that I faced as a foolish young man. And I earnestly desire to save them from those mistakes. Once upon a time, I was a young man who was very, very much consumed with anger. One time, uh, someone in the athletic program of our high school labeled me as a hothead. And to prove that I was not a hothead, I became more of a hothead. (laughs) But the Lord has washed me. He has transformed me. And for that, I am grateful. And I try to guard my children from that same mistakes. Your parents' children want life and success for you. They may not be the best at communicating it, but when they're disciplining you, they are doing so not because they don't want you to have fun, but because they want you to have a good life. And they are the God-appointed authority in your life, and obeying them leads to better life. Your parents are not your enemy. They never have been, and they never will be. The world is desperately trying to destroy the family in about a million different ways. And so many movies point to uh, out-of-touch parents or parents who are just trying to control their children and the parents need to learn to conform to their children. If you think about how many movies and TV shows spin that today, and you can think back to old TV shows like the Andy Griffith show where the father figure was a source of wisdom and correction. There's an intentional effort right now to make parents the problem. That we can't trust the parents. You can trust the schools, but you can't trust the parents, which is so backwards. And so our, Christ, our children are trained to view their parents sometimes as the enemy. That when I just get out of the house, I'll get to do everything I want. I'm reminded, um, as I often am, I'm reminded of a scene uh, in The Lord of the Rings. Bilbo is supposed to give up this ring, this source of power, but the temptation for him is too great. And his, his friend, his father figure, Gandalf, is debating with him, encouraging him, just let it go, let it go. And at one point, Bilbo snaps and he accuses Gandalf of having bad motives. He's like, you just want this all for yourself. You're just trying to ruin my life. And to this, Gandalf says, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. That's parenting. Kids think that I'm trying to make their life worse. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I want good life for you. Parents are not cosmic killjoys robbing you of all the fun, but they've, all, they've often tasted the bitter side of their sin and they're just trying to save you from it. And so the charge to children is to respect and to obey your parents, for there are really just two paths set before you. This is one of those haunting, haunting passages. So children, listen very carefully to Proverbs 10, verse 1. This is what you will be. One of these two when you grow up. You will be one of these two. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And I know that that is 
Both sides of this equation are very true for many people sitting in this room today. I've sat beside mothers and fathers full of sorrows because of what their children have become. I've seen parents rejoice at what their children have become. And so to the children, you're going to be one of these two to your parents. Think very carefully about which path you choose. The call for children is to heed and obey their parents. It cuts roughshod against the schools of thought of parenting uh, today. There are whole movements today where parents are quite literally told to heed and obey their children. You are to bend the knees, parents, to the feelings of your children. And this is undergirded by two weird assumptions. The first is that nature equals good. I need to be careful here. What do I mean by, by nature? Right? Being born a certain way does not make it morally good. But God did create the world, and He declared it good, but the world is still fallen and cursed. So not everything that occurs, quote-unquote, naturally is good. Snakes have venom naturally. Venom kills. Not good. Second, this is undergirded by this idea that our feelings and thoughts rule over nature. That our feelings and our thoughts determine what is true. Parents, you should not wait for your kids to tell you who they are. Right? That's not how the world works. In the Bible, children are instructed to obey their parents. Parents are not commanded to obey their children. In other words, your five-year-old isn't the basis of authority. So here then is some wisdom for parents in their job of raising children. The first is this. Your children are not blank slates. They are not born innocent. If you don't believe me, then you can talk to Keturah and volunteer in the nursery. And you will see. Nature does not equal holy at this stage of life. And so children are not born a blank slate or inherently good. Philosophers like Rousseau picked up this idea of the blank slate or the tabula rasa and argued that all the problems that manifest themselves in kids come from socialization. Right? That he's been trained to be sinful. He's been trained to have a problem. And this thought still holds a lot of weight in scholarly thinking and everyday practice. But our problems um, are primarily that we are sinners, not that we didn't get socialized enough. Everything would not be better if we just had perfect surroundings. We tried that. It was called the Garden of Eden. Man was placed in the perfect setting, and things still went wrong. And it is this thinking that fuels the victimhood mentality. The kid's problems are never his or her own, but it's that society won't accept him or that he didn't have a dad or whatever it may be. Now there are certainly problems and obstacles in life that make life more difficult. But the main problem is found within. Proverbs 22.15 Philosophy or theology of your, your little child, your little bundle of joy. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now Solomon has in view here primarily younger children. He's, he's not saying they're stupid or worthless, but he is saying this, your children are born foolish. They are born stupid in a way. They actually need 
proper instruction. The problem of your children is not, as sometimes said today, that their diet isn't right. Your children didn't become sinners because they had too much sugar today. The problem is, is that your child is born a fool. And that folly needs to be driven far from him and her. Parents who approach their children as fundamentally right, or that the child's desire should rule all, are those who are not only misunderstand their children, but who are actively harming their children. Folly is bound up in the heart of your child. And he or she, as you pay attention, as you parent them, you will notice that each of your children will have different folly, different sin bents that you will be called to address. Be patient, be consistent, instruct them, discipline them, show them mercy and love, for this is your job as a parent. Second, while not disciplining your children, parents, is easy in the moment, if you consistently refuse to discipline your children, it will lead to death. Proverbs 19, 15 through 16. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. A child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. A child left to himself and to his video games will bring shame to his parents. A child left to himself and his social media will bring shame to the family. A child left to his own folly will revel in his folly. He, re- he really becomes a victim to his own foolishness and to his parents' laziness. Verse 16 is not there on accident. You'll notice you're in Proverbs 29, you have 15s about kids, and then you have wickedness growing in the society, and 16 and then 17, it comes right back to the kids. That's not an accident. When parents fail to do their job, wickedness grows and spreads in a society and in a culture. Think very carefully about that. This is our day. Parents have failed at their jobs, and so our prisons are full. Parents have failed at their jobs, and so looting is now viewed as, okay, that's fine. To love your children is to be willing to work on their hearts through persistent and consistent discipline. And it is to be proactive in that instruction, not just reactive. What do I mean by that? If the only time you're instructing your kids is when they've done something that bothers you, you're not doing it right. If you only discipline when you are on your last straw, you're not doing it right. If you discipline out of anger and frustration or annoyance, then it is you, mother and father, who need discipline first. Just as the Father, God the Father disciplines us, we are called to discipline our children to save them for their good, not because I'm annoyed. It is to be motivated by love. A child who is only affirmed and left to himself is not loved, but is actually hated by his parents. Third, parents, discipline your children. As you do that, it leads them to blossom. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. And he will give you delight to your heart. 
Discipline your son and he will give you rest. Sometimes we don't discipline our sons because we want rest now. Like it's hard work disciplining your children. But Solomon says the years of disciplining them and the hard work of tilling the soil of their hearts will eventually give you rest. And the child is grown. You can't exchange it. If you try to get the rest now, you will have no rest later on. I know the weariness and the drudgery of parenting some days, of constantly disciplining and correcting, dealing with squabbles and temper tantrums and rampant emotions, but the labor is worth it. Don't lose heart. God's promises to the parents stand. Labor on in joyful confidence. Your discipline, especially of younger children, will be a blessing to them and a source of life to you because you will be able to delight in them. Fourth, hinted throughout the Proverbs and then made plain in the New Testament and elsewhere, is that you need to make your home a place of joy, parents, not dread. Christian parents, sometimes we look at our unbelieving neighbors and we say they don't discipline at all. Well, I'm just going to discipline non-stop. That's not the answer either. Parents should not be all discipline all the time. Your homes should have the aroma of the gospel of grace. Your homes should be places people want to be. Ephesians 6.1 gives this warning to fathers, but we can extend it to mothers as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In this passage, God says to us, you are to have negative and positive correction of your children, discipline and instruction. But even more than that, the warning for fathers is to not provoke or crush or exasperate their children. The goal of parenting is not to be a dictator. It is not to control everything your child does at every moment. It is not to be always correcting your children. Let me put it this way. Nobody wants to be around a constant fault finder. If you are that as a parent, you are going to push your children away. Living with fault finders, whether they are bosses or colleagues or spouses or parents, is crushing. And what it often reveals is an insecure person. Parents need to speak words of affirmation to their children at least as often as they correct them. You need to celebrate when they get things right. You need to lay out clear expectations beforehand, not just corrections. And as one older pastor said, and has become central to my practice of parenting, you need to have fun with your kids. Your kids need to know that you enjoy their presence. That unlike the world, you don't view your kids as a burden upon your life. And so your home should be a place of joy, where the Christian faith is lived out And it should have the aroma of Christ all over it. And on this, be very careful in the heat of the moment to never put your kids down, especially in front of other people. I know the temptation as a parent to bond with other parents about our war stories, but I doubt you would like it if all of your dirty laundry was aired in front of somebody else as well. Yes, there are times for 
encouragement and advice and to talk with someone, what am I doing wrong, how should I get better, but do not put your children down in front of others. Do not exasperate or crush them. Do not try to make them fit whatever you think the perfect kid is. Practically, this means also that you must parent a toddler very different than a teenager. So the goal of parenting should be that as your kids get older, you give them more and more and more freedom because you want them to grow and to become an adult. Sometimes parents don't discipline their kids when they're younger and then they become a teenager and you want to clamp everything down because like, oh no, they can't handle this. As you start out, lots of control, giving way to more and more freedom as they get older. Let me give two warnings here about how we can crush or exasperate our kids. One that's common to fathers and one that's common to mothers. For fathers, what is often a way we crush our children is to have harsh criticism. To never tell our children that they're doing a good job. To never affirm them. To never tell them that we love them. This makes your home a stench to your children. It then makes Christianity a stench to your children. For mothers, one way that you can exasperate or crush your children is to coddle them and to keep your child, basically an infant, all the way until they're 35. Some moms act as if they don't want their kids to grow up. They want their kids to always need them. And the impulse is right. But if you do this, they will always need you. And they will never grow up. As hard as it is for moms to hear, at some point your boys should want to distance themselves from you a little bit. And that actually means you're doing a good job. And while that can definitely be done poorly by teenage boys, the desire is a manly and a good desire. So if you want your children to be a source of peace and joy in the future, you should give them peace and joy now. Conclusion. God loves the family. Satan hates it. God has woven the family into the fabric of creation to tell truths about who he is and what he is doing in this world. God the Father is a good father. God the Son is a perfectly obedient son. And they are given to us as models for how we are to organize and act out these roles in life. And it is for this reason that Satan and this world are utterly hell-bent on destroying the family. And there are few things in this life that are more devastating and heartbreaking than to walk into a broken family. This is not how a Christian home should be. So as Christians, we must not view our children as a burden or an inconvenience, but we are to delight in them and to view them as a blessing from God. And we are to then publicly delight in them and never publicly criticize them. Take heart, parents and children, because God is greater than your sin or the sin of your children or the sin of your family. Take courage, because the gospel both renews and transforms. One of the promises Christ gives us of the, of the kingdom and of his work is that it will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the sons to their fathers. The gospel offers restoration, not just for individual sinners, but families full of them. 
question becomes, what about those who are already sitting in the wasteland of a broken family? Don't lose heart. The good news of the gospel is not just the renewal of families, but that you have been invited into the family of God. That through the death and resurrection of Christ, you can by faith be joined to Christ, the faithful Son, and become a son or daughter of God, the good Father. In Christ, all the evil of this age is being turned back. And in Christ, we inherit all the promises of God like we are a firstborn son, a perfectly obedient one. And so parents and children are instructed to go and live out that power and that hope that the gospel offers us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us in your word and that in it you offer commandments for both parents and children. Lord, I ask for the families represented in this church of various stages of family life that you would indeed turn the hearts of fathers and mothers to their children and of children to their fathers and their mothers. That you would renew and transform and protect the families of Christ Bible Church. And that in this, the world might see the goodness of your design and the goodness of your gospel. Lord, that is all of our hope in life and death, that we are not our own but that we belong to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christ Bible Church. Remember, this world is dripping with meaning because Christ created it, he sustains it, and he is reconciling it all to himself. Now go and live out that glorious truth.